0: Oh, no! Here we go.
1: Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? So, 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 so. It's a tradition. Here, here. Jar <laughs> Jar, ja, homie, my uh, main uh, man, uh, Quick. Uh, before the separatists attack, get into the escape uh, pod. Hey!
0: This is escape. Then where the pot? <laughs>
2: Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we have our co host uh, Blake and Bryce, in the Escape Pod to chat all about George Lucas's original Star Wars trilogy. I have in front of me the gargantuan red XXL edition of Paul Duncan's Star Wars Archives book covering... 1999 through 2005 that is the prequel the prequel book and uh you know this is a numbered edition huge flex there uh but yeah we're gonna dive right in. we're gonna go right to the end and there is a whole lot about george lucas's original vision for the sequel trilogy lost to talk about there so let's dive right in Well, hello there. Hello there. Hello. How are you guys doing? Doing well.
3: Hello.
1: Hello. Josh, I just wanted to open my saying my condolences. For? Well, you must be getting older. Your eyesight must be going because you had to get the XXL version. <laughs> yeah. Get the
2: big font. <laughs> I, uh, I yeah. You know, I, I try and make it myself feel better saying it's a limited edition. <laughs> <laughs> Take it Come, out. Comes
1: with a free pair of spectacles. Yeah. Uh, Ex- bifocals.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, we're not going to waste any time, um, but uh, I just wanted to kick things off with, uh, you know, this can be a sensitive issue for some people uh, who do love the movies that we do have. Uh, and there are others of us that do not. And, uh, you know, it's always going to be a divisive thing. But this is the original sort of conceptual of what George would have done with his movies. And this isn't uh, from the internet. This isn't from an article of any kind. This is a firsthand interview published in a very esteemed book um, by Paul Duncan, who sat down with George in person. He sat down with uh, with a lot of people: Ben Burt and uh, you know Doug Chang and Rick McCallum. You know a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people in, in this interview. And uh, page by page, you know, there's a lot of uh, artwork and production reports and just like the the things that you don't really need to look at but like are just so cool to like you know all us nerds right (laughs) like it's a pretty sweet book uh the xxl format kind of gives you like a nice wide spread on on all these cool awesome images and stuff like that Uh, towards the end of the book though uh paul asks george some really interesting questions about uh sort of why he sold the company and you know what he would have done if uh he hadn't and, uh, there some very familiar things that George says in this interview, things that he's told, uh, Charlie Rose on the Charlie Rose interview way back when, when he first sold the company and, uh, the force awakens was being developed by a new team of people and JJ Abrams had been brought on to help write and direct that movie. And, uh, this is sort of reminiscent of that because this, this book was, um, well, the, the interview took place uh, before this book was published. I think it was in 2020 that this book was published. And uh, the publisher is Taschen. Uh, they make some amazing, super large format things. They do like a James Bond one. They do you know, tons of stuff. they that's got a cool. classic Walt Disney one. Really l- nice things. Yeah. Fan stuff then, like really fan high stuff. quality yeah. collectible. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, for sure. Yeah, not cheap books either. Um, but the interview, totally worth reading. And there's a budget version of this book, by the way. There's like a $40 version, which is like way smaller. You just lose some of the nice big images, but that's, you know, all the text is the same. It's
1: so. a pocket-sized book. Yeah. Yeah, the regular size. Yeah, regular it has size thumbnails book. instead of yeah, photographs. About, about the
2: size of Order of the Phoenix over there. kids with good eyes. Yeah. That's right. For kids with uh, good eyes, yeah. So, yeah. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go section by section through this interview and and just kind of break down exactly what's going on here. Uh, but, yeah, just a question for either of you guys. Do you remember anything about the Charlie Rose? If you'd watched Charlie Rose interview with George? Just anything?
1: that famous quote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How's it go again, Josh?
2: Uh you can go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh it's,
3: yeah, it's Anakin it's, wouldn't be super happy with <laughs> no Anakin's words, I think yeah. yeah, he'd be quite offended.
2: <laughs> it's a good interview. It's it's um it's quite difficult to watch sometimes only because like I love George's movie so much that mm-hmm. it's like kind of a wrench in my gut knowing like what we could have had and you know, more mm-hmm. more George Lucas Star Wars, you know, like I want, more the, I want more. of that. It was on the horizon, and yeah, uh, af-
1: after kind of what we're getting into here with the book and the interview him talking about it, I was, I was surprised that he was willing to get you know get back on the horse again after what happened with the prequels. Because mm-hmm. it towards the end, it just seemed like he was kind of fed up.
2: Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's part of that's part of it actually. So we're we, you know, we're definitely going to get into that. Uh, but yeah, do you guys remember anything about that? No, nothing.
3: Not too much, like I said. I I think I've only seen like ten minutes of it, aside from yeah, aside from the stuff in the news. But mm-hmm. interested to hear, um, yeah, what he had planned, and yeah, what we could have had in yeah. or like what uh, there's there's like a multiverse out there where Star Wars fans are happy, right?
2: For sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um,
1: and this is going to be an entirely alternate universe, also to what
3: we got with you, I would think.
1: Yeah. So we. Mm-hmm. There's now, there's a, a multiverse of
3: three at the moment. Which, I don't know, maybe, yeah, I guess that's, like, an initial question I have, is, like, is like um, how, what was his plan in relation to, like, the EU if he already had this laid out for a sequel, sequel trilogy, right?
2: Mm. That's, uh, that's something he answers, uh, yeah. is, is sort of, like, what, what he would have done, you know, with the trilogy. Um, so focus is completely on this book today, everybody. Um, You know, if you want to watch the Charlie Rose interview, uh, I will link it in the description below in this podcast. Uh, But yeah, today we talk all about this interview between Paul Duncan and George Lucas. So uh, I'll start off kind of by reading the first section here. And then, uh, you know, and then I'll kind of give you guys a signal as, as to when when we can kind of converse about this. All right, so Paul Duncan says, and it's it sort of stylized like a script, like it's like, a, you know, the person saying whatever and then, and then what they said and then the other person and so on and so forth. It's, it's, uh, it's like reading like a, you know, like a stage, stage script. Okay, so Paul Duncan says, Doug Chang, Ryan Church, and others described to me how much freedom you gave them and allowed them to do the best work of their lives. The whole environment that you've created Lucasfilm, The Ranch, ILM, Skywalker Sound has been inspirational. So I wonder why you passed control of Lucasfilm on to Disney in 2012, George Lucas says. At that time, I was starting the next trilogy. I talked to the actors and I was starting to gear up. I was also about to have a daughter with my wife and it takes 10 years to make a trilogy. Episodes one through three took from 1995 to 2005. Paul Duncan says, so if you started in 2012, you'd finish in 2022. And George Lucas says, I'd still be working on episode nine. In 2012, I was 69. So the question was, am I going to keep doing this the rest of my life? Do I want to go through with this again? Finally, I decided I'd rather raise my daughter and enjoy life for a while. I could have not sold Lucasfilm and gotten somebody to run the productions but that isn't retiring. On Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, I tried to stay out of the way, but I couldn't. I was there every day. Even though the people were friends of mine and they did great work, it wasn't the same as me doing it. It was like being once removed. I knew that probably wouldn't work again, that I'd be frustrated. I'm the one with those micromanager guys. uh, One of those micromanager guys, I can't help it. So I figured I would forego that, enjoy what I had, and I was looking forward to raising my daughter. Also, I wanted to build a museum, which I'd always wanted to do. So I was thinking, if I don't do this now, I'll never get that done. I've spent my life creating Star Wars, 40 years, and giving it up was very, very painful. But it was the right thing to do. I thought I was going to have a little bit more to say about the next three because I had already started them. But they decided they wanted to do something else. Things don't always work out the way you want it. Life is like that.
1: I can just piggyback on what I was saying earlier. I was, I was very surprised that you know, it was getting back into it again. I guess, you know, when you're in love with something, you, you forget about the bad. And over time, you know, you get reinvigorated again. Because uh, I know there was, I think, with the fallout of a lot of the fandom after the prequels left a lot of bad taste in his mouth, mm-hmm. which I always thought fueled the sale to Disney. But it seems after reading this quote it had more to do with where he was at that point in his life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's rough, like to, you know you but you invest for so much of your life like into something right and then mm-hmm. you kind of be you're you're you know a guy like that he's known for that something you know to sell it you know i think the, like the question of like identity really comes to mind it's like oh i'm yeah. the guy who made star wars like i'm selling that yeah you're selling a you huge know, like,
1: part of like really who you consider yourself to be
2: yeah yeah and that's why on the charlie so on the charlie rose interview you know if anyone watches that he describes star wars as like his children you know he's like he, you know Charlie Rose, like you, know, you yeah. sold your children. You know, it's yeah, <laughs> like, well, it's it's still a, it's still a story, but yeah. I mean, you know, sold his one child for his other child, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
1: Though so he did speak on a a point that I think a lot of fans often bring up, which is they want the relationship that George had with Star Wars and the films so that we had the original trilogy with Empire and Jedi, where he was kind of in the back seat mm-hmm. guiding the story. He speaks directly to, he's just not capable of doing that because he's so hands on.
2: Yeah. You know, and, you know, the arguments, I've heard it before. It's like, oh, yeah, the best Star Wars movies, the ones that he didn't direct. It's like, well, he he was there like every day. You know, he was, he was, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody else's name is the director for the movie, but like, you know, that doesn't mean he wasn't there next to the director with his hand on their shoulder as they did their job. Right. And like, that's kind of the whole. The whole point, like why he did the prequels in the beginning, it's like well, he he originally
1: didn't want to, didn't he? Approach Spielberg and some right. of the directors. They all said, like, Spielberg got what I remember the quote was like, "George, you do it."
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, this guy, I think Spielberg knows George a lot. Like he he knows him well, right? Mm. Like he knew that if George hired somebody else, he would still be just as involved, anyways. And you know, at least this way, he wouldn't be kind of bumping heads with anybody. Yeah. Right. Like he would get the authentic story that he wanted. And, you know, that's like, that's all I mattered. Right. It's just a lot of work, you know, for one guy. Right. It is. Yeah. Which
3: which is why you have to be good at delegating. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of those older films are successful because he found like talented people to delegate to.
2: Mm -hmm. Totally. Uh, Okay. So here's the next section here. It's called The Chosen One. The George Lucas says, when writing the movies, I tried to make sure that the aliens and the droids that got killed, but not the people. Uh, Paul Duncan says, a lot of stormtroopers died. And George Luke says, that's right. But you didn't know that they were people. Uh, we did kill three humans, and that was unfortunate. I was always bothered by it. And Paul Duncan says, uh, when was that? And George says, on the Death Star, when Han and Luke go into the prison when Chewie to, uh, with Chewie to rescue Leia. They shoot three Imperial guys. And the guards drew their guns and fired first, but it's still a shame. And Paul says, really? And George says, yeah. We very consciously didn't kill very many humans in those movies. Paul says, uh, what about the stormtroopers? What, ro- <laughs> what about the rebels? What about the stormtroopers? They look robotic, but they're not. And George says, how do you know what they are? And uh, Paul says, did you have... A different idea of what they were, and George says, "Yeah, they started out as clones. Once all the clones were killed, the Empire picked up the recruits like militia. They fought, but they weren't very good at what they did. That's why they kept missing." (laughs) Uh, Paul says, "Yeah," and George says, "Yeah, that's that's why they kept missing." (laughs) Then after the Rebels won, there were no more stormtroopers in uh, my version of the third trilogy that I had planned for the first trilogy to be about the father and the second trilogy to be about the son and the third trilogy to be about the daughter and the grandchildren. Episodes 7, 8, and 9 would take ideas from what happened after the Iraq war. Okay, you fought the war, you healed everybody, now what are you going to do? Rebuilding afterwards is harder than starting a rebellion or fighting the war. When you win the war and you disband the opposing army, what do they do? The stormtroopers would be like Saddam Hussein's uh, Baathist fighters, that joined ISIS and kept on fighting. The stormtroopers refuse to give up when the Republic win. They want to be stormtroopers forever. Uh, They go to a far corner of the galaxy, start their own country and their own rebellion. There's a power vacuum, so gangsters like the Hutts are taking advantage of the situation, and there is chaos. The key person is Darth Maul, who had been resurrected in the Clone Wars cartoons. He brings all the gangs together. Paul says, was Darth Maul the main villain? And George says, yeah, but he's very old. And we have two versions of him. One is with a set of cybernetic legs like a spider. And then later, he has metal legs. And he was a little bit bigger. More of, a, more of a superhero. We did all this in the animated series. He was in a bunch of episodes. Darth Maul trained a girl, Darth Talon, who was in the comic books as his apprentice. She was the new Darth Vader, and the most of the action was with her. So these were the two main villains of the trilogy. Maul eventually becomes the godfather of the crime in the universe because as the Empire falls, he takes over. Uh, The movies were about how Leia, I mean, who else is going to be the leader, is trying to build the Republic. They still have uh, the apparatus of the Republic, but they have to get it under control from the gangsters. And that was the main story. It starts a few years after Return of the Jedi, and we establish pretty quickly that there's this underworld. There are these offshoot stormtroopers who have started their own planets, and that Luke is trying to restart the Jedi. He puts word out, so out of like 100,000 Jedi, maybe 50 or 100 are left, and the Jedi have to grow again from scratch. So Luke has to find two- and three-year-olds and train them. It'll be 20 years before you have a new generation of Jedi. By the end of the trilogy, Luke would have rebuilt much of the Jedi and we would have the renewal of the New Republic with Leia, Senator Organa, becoming the Supreme Chancellor in charge of everything. So she ended up being the Chosen One.
0: There's a lot there that
3: happened. Yeah, right? I and was then, just thinking that. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's a lot to unpack there because there's, there's even stuff I don't agree with, right? Or, mm-hmm. like, or like I'm not quite sure is kind of the direction i would have wanted it to go mm-hmm. but i think as a because star wars has always been very political so i think it's good to make it when you know when he's talking about it, it always it always takes inspiration from you know real life events and it's like a twist it's like that space right star right. wars um so i think the stuff he was saying about you know like our current wars and rebuilding i think that is a really good idea and would have made for a very interesting and like,
2: yeah. Yeah, because you never see that in the sequels. You don't really see the rebuilding of, you know, that you only just see like when they question that. It's like, oh, where Mm -hmm. do we go from here? And then all of a sudden in the next movie, like everyone just shows up and ready to go.
1: I, I think we're starting to see more of that now in the Mandalorian era, but in the sequels themselves, not really. Though they did steal, the fact that the stormtroopers went off and created their
3: own kind of country or whatever.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They so did. They did take that.
3: So I really like it. Like, you don't have to have all three of the sequels be, we rebuilding for all three. You know, if it's a bit slow, maybe a bit dry. Yeah. <laughs> but in the yeah. same way, um, I think The Phantom Menace felt very different. Like, it's not like The Phantom Menace was extremely political and not... Like you only get the war at the end, right? Right. But it made the galaxy feel a lot more complete. Like you have, you get to see the Jedi doing their peacekeeping missions. It's more about like how the Republic functions, right? Yeah. You know, why you get the democracy is corrupt and why it's really hard and dealing mm-hmm. with trade routes and yeah. blockades. Yeah, and that is like insanely good world building. Um, and although I think a lot of people make fun of it because it's political and maybe not the most exciting, I think there's a lot of the older audience that is like pretty jazzed to see that kind of stuff yeah yeah it's funny all three it's of those movies well. don't have to be like that just mm-hmm. just the first one right and then you can get into some more of the uh bread and butter lightsaber you know like like action and you know betrayals yeah mm. probably more of the stuff with Darth Maul or that you know then maybe in the second movie we get that like reveal of you know some sort of first order or the stormtrooper nation you know that's come mm-hmm. back yeah right so you could, it 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 would escalate basically yeah 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 and i think that that'd be pretty good flow
1: and then you get a good kind of twist reveal at the end and cliffhanger mm-hmm.
2: i think this leia becoming the uh chancellor was it a, a cool idea i liked that a lot i think i believe that was actually in colin Trevorrow's episode nine script you oh know? interesting uh, okay. when the leaks came out about how that story would have worked out i believe that's that would have been a thing if Carrie Fisher hadn't obviously passed away, right
1: yeah, that complicated a lot of things. yeah uh, there's a novel as well was was Leia in line to be more of a political leader until they found out she was Darth Vader's daughter? Was that a thing?
2: Yeah, you're talking about bloodline. Um, so that that book takes place kind of between episode six and seven mm-hmm. and y- there's a big scandal that comes out because of that, right. And that's one of the few things, I guess, that kind of leads her to go on her own and become the resistance leader as opposed to stay within the New Republic hmm. in those politics, right? Uh, so that, that book described that pretty well. I don't think it It sounds really, like a
1: bad decision, though, right? You, you're outed as being related to an evil dictator, so you leave and raise an army? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look <laughs> no so else, great. No, one else is going to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Yeah.
3: But but you see how that yeah, like how it comes off pretty poorly, right? Yeah. And you're like right. you're pretty much making an extremist organization within the you know, the government that you built. You're you're like the yeah, you are yeah. I don't know what you tried to fight against. You're kind of just walking Come on, the, the warmonger almost. Yeah. But although I really I actually really like that because that makes so much sense. Like who would allow you know, old Adolf Schmittler's daughter to be chancellor. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, right. Like,
3: I don't know how uh, you could be.
2: It's fear, right? Fear, yeah. fear that they'll become their yeah. their parent or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. could
3: be a saint, and I think yeah. people will still would be like, right. "I'm not sure about this."
2: Yeah, like, yeah. I um, you know what what you what you were just saying, Blake, about the the various different types of continuities that we have now at this point. Uh, there's a few, right? There's there's the there's the canon. There's the old EU pre Disney, mm-hmm. there's uh, the Infinities, uh continuity, which is its own thing in the comic books. Is that the Lego? No, it's in the it's in the comic books. It, they did like a what if situation, so oh, like white okay. Darth Vader. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they did that, and then uh, and then now obviously we have these sort of what would have happened if George had not sold the company, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's a couple kind of different continuities there. Taking something from the EU like Darth Talon and making that sort of a main villain in George's story, something that he really liked a lot. This is not the first time he's done that. Uh, mm-hmm. He's actually done that before. He really loved Ayla Secura. He has got a thing for Twi'leks. Uh, he really loved Ayla Secura a lot when he saw her on a comic it. book. And so he put her in Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. That was the whole reason why she existed in Attack of the Clones was oh, she was in a comic book first. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, um, I like that. <laughs> I'm going to put that in my movie. <laughs> that's
1: pretty cool. So I'd, I thought originally, because the first time I saw her was like in the video games. I think it was in Battlefront 2, like the 2005 version.
2: Oh, that was way after Attack of the Clones, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the first time I'd seen her. So I thought that...
2: Wait, you've seen her Attack of the Clones?
1: I I think I didn't notice her in Attack of the Clones is what happened.
2: Because <laughs> I recognized... I, I noticed <laughs> her right away. Because I noticed her. Because I definitely...
1: <laughs> I definitely noticed from *Revenge of the Sith*. <laughs>
3: right.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, he, he's done this before, right? Like he's taken yeah. he's taken a character from the EU, used into his thing. Uh, Quinlan Voss is another mm-hmm. another great example. But uh, you know, to take such a weird sort of strange story from from a completely different time frame within the EU, mm-hmm. right, and then bring it into his story. I thought was very curious.
1: Yeah, actually, that raises a good question. We should touch on that because uh, what what is the the time difference? Because
2: it's a lot, right? Like it's like it's, it's we're Cade talking Cade Skywalker. Right? It's yeah. like, oh, like hundreds oh, of years. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It's um he's he is the grandson of Luke.
2: Okay. Isn't so it great? Isn't it great? Is it grandson or is it great grandson? Because Luke, Luke's long gone at this point.
3: Yeah, it would have been Luke, and then Luke has uh, Ben, and then Ben has. I'm pretty sure there might be one more actually. He might be a great the great grandson. Yeah, I think I, th- I, think, I, think, I think Ben has. Oh, what is the other Skywalker called? I don't know, maybe I'll have to look it up, but yeah. I think there's there might be three generations.
2: Yeah, I think there's, there's something. Yeah, because I, I, I had the feeling that Cade Skywalker was like a hundred years after
3: it's like Kai Skywalker or something. Cade Skywalker, it's like.
2: I think it's like it's like a hundred years after Return of the Jedi. I yeah, think that, that was sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like the whole the whole comic series kind of that was like the thing. It was like ninety nine oh. years after the Close Battle of Skywalker Endor or something. Right. You know, it was something like that. Is that pre
1: or post using Vong? Oh, post. post. Okay, post. It's yeah.
2: like
3: during the rebuilding era. era. Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. So like most of the EU that most people are familiar with all kind of happen way before this event, mm-hmm. right? And then Cade Skywalker is like a. That's his story. Darth Talon is a villain in that story. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, whoa, like to move a character's time frame like back by like a hundred years. Just
1: because she looks cool.
2: Yeah, just because she looks cool. I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, But then also to be forward planning in the sense that Darth Maul was going to be the villain like yeah the, the the new palpatine sort of thing right
1: i think that's the most interesting part to me both because we're kind of our well we were sort of seeing it but more so in the early post-prequel era where he is the leader of multiple crime syndicates yeah i was just actually watching clone wars that season, clone wars are season seven like last
2: night oh wow
1: and i was like which is hilarious that we're talking about this now. Yeah. Because it's just total coincidence. Where You get the reveal that Darth Maul is controlling multiple crime syndicates, even though this the episode was kind of from the view of the Pikes. Yeah. And he's playing them against each other. And then in Solo, we see he's like the head honcho of Red Dawn. I think is the name, right? Crimson Dawn. Crimson, Crimson Dawn. Dawn. Crimson Dawn. Thank yeah. you.
2: Yeah. That's right. So it's interesting
1: that... What George talked about happened, but through, I guess, the Dave Filoni
3: animated stuff. When is, when does is he talk, when is his interview?
2: This interview took place before the publishing of the book. So this, this interview was, um, probably pr- prior to 2020, I would say 2018, 2019, something in there.
3: So I think something to, to keep in mind is this interview is coming out as he's had time to think about it. It's this. also
2: coming out before episode nine, Disney's episode nine right. hit theaters.
3: Right. But like. I guess I'm like, does, did he have all, is this, do you think this is how he thought um, the sequels would be like before he sold?
2: This is, yeah, this is what he's saying to Paul as to what he would have done.
1: Hmm.
3: And I think he was under the,
1: the expectation that Disney was going to complete the, the story with his scripts.
2: Yeah.
3: Right. I guess I was just thinking like how much of this has he kind of thought up as, he's been seeing all of the right. How much is what he, they've done to star Wars right now? He's like, you know, he's had years um, after selling star Wars to be like, oh, I, I totally would have done this. And I totally would have done this. And he's like, you know, putting more thought and time into it. Yeah. And then he's doing the interview and he's able to, yeah. So I feel like maybe he's, he is kind of developing more or, or thinking more about what he would have done. Mm-hmm. Right? That is interesting, especially with the quote saying
1: he wanted to take time away from it. Yeah. But when you're, your life has been around it so long, probably so hard to let go. Yeah. And so you're still, you're still, I've, if it was me, I would feel like as it's coming out, I would be doing exactly that. but thinking, oh, I would have done this.
3: Yeah. You can't, you probably, he probably couldn't help himself, but then, mm. you know, be like, dang. Um, yeah. I want to like, actually put more effort in like what, I, what this could have been. Yeah, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, I was just kind of rambling there.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, know. It, 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 it does make sense because uh, yeah, ba- based on when this came out or sort of based on what he's saying, it, it almost, he's making it seem as if this is something that he had planned. Yeah. Um, but that being said though, you know, you get me thinking because he's had a lot of times now like analyze the full trilogy of films and it makes me wonder like you know, he's a retired guy raising his kid. I mean, you know, everyone's got a hobby. Well,
0: what, is what are the, supposed to
2: be building a museum? I mean, well, yeah, he's, I mean, he's not physically building the museum. He's like, no, he's the there a brick it. by brick. I think, uh, I yeah, think wasn't really sure. in
1: Chicago until like, they canceled it. So he, had to, he had to haul the bricks. <laughs> is that why it's taking so long? George Lucas California.
2: single-handedly <laughs> making <laughs> the weight of this museum on his shoulder. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I mean like what are the, what are the chances though that he's got like a rough, you know, like, he's just sat down and written these movies. And he's, like, in his drawer. And no oh, one knows about this. He just did it though. for him. Man. You know? I mean, yeah.
1: it's possible. I could see myself doing that if I was in his position. Yeah. But I also know that that wouldn't be, like, a healthy thing to do. When but if you're trying to distance yourself from it.
2: I mean, like, maybe, yeah, sort of, right? But, but maybe it's just, it's just for him, right? Like, maybe it's just, mm-hmm. like, he's got an idea in his head. It's a bug. He's got to get it out on the page, yeah. you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, he's just, like, to, to, to get that sense of completion. It's like, okay, I do have an idea to do these stories. I want to get them out of, you know, out of my, my head kind of thing onto a complete sort of manuscript in a way as to, like, this is what would have happened, and this is what I would have done. And no one needs to know that but me. But that's... We know he's okay with that because after the prequels, yeah.
1: he talked about making movies for himself.
2: Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: Man, yeah. I'd love to see some of those,
2: though. I would yeah. love to rummage through his desk drawer. <laughs> <laughs> his filing cabinet. You get
3: three hours in his house and you're just ripping it apart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they did a Tolkien, drawer. Like, Same thing.
2: Uh, yeah, the, you know, it's it's kind of crazy to think that, that these these movies just you know, where a possibility once upon a time and then just never happened. But I mean, like, I don't, we don't know how, how far into this stage, into the writing they were, right? Like, you know, these were outlines, if any, you know, story treatments, well, couple pages each, like not much to go off of, but it's something. Um,
1: so I'm not sure if it came out somewhere else, but I know there's always been talks that George had planned 12. From the beginning.
2: Yeah, From the, that was before he, he did episode four. Yeah, because he yeah. had...
1: There's a, a paper, a photo or something of yeah. a page that says... It has, like, numbers one through twelve,
2: yeah, right? That, yeah, that was before he did episode four, but then he and condensed it down to nine.
1: Right. Uh, and then... And then six. What... Was that after the original trilogy, though? Because...
2: I think when he, when he hit Empire Strikes Back, it was going to be six. Because he... You say that, but. But he had put episode five in the, t- in the opening crawl when Empire t- came out. Yeah. So, like, he already knew, oh, I'm going to do three before A New Hope, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do one more after this one.
1: One of the editors for Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, uh, I was watching a video earlier today to kind of prep for some of what we're talking about. And uh, I forget which editor, but Star Wars Theory was interviewing him, and he said. The editor that George had planned nine. This is during Empire and Jedi.
2: He, uh, yeah. And I think that that definitely kind of goes back and forth because I have also seen interviews with Mark Hamill where he is sort of asked George about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and he has said, like, oh, yeah, like, hey, what, like, how do you feel about doing, you know, a story like episode seven, seven, eight, nine, like with Luke in his later life? And that was like way back in the 80s. You know, when, when he had this conversation. So I think he's, he has gone back and forth internally, you know, just to himself, like whether or not he wanted to do that story mm-hmm. and, you know, in that process, a lot can change. Right. But before he sold this company, you know, it really, uh, I think what also kind of drove him to get a, a bit more creative with sort of how these stories would have come out on, on screen is having treatments for episode 789 boosted the the value of the company because all of a sudden now they were projects in production right so like i hate to say that as a sort of excuse for like some of these ideas being like you know if you think they're like kind of half-assed or like maybe they don't work or whatever you know oh. but i wonder though i wonder if maybe you know some of these ideas that he had were just kind of around in his head forever or yeah. if they were just drummed up kind of like in that pr- no. early process, like, oh, do I want to sell? He, he's right. also
3: had the benefit of seeing what worked yeah. in, mm-hmm. in the sequel trilogies, right? Because obviously he, and, and he he did give input, obviously, because the First Order is like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, a, it's, an, it's the Empire. They yeah. left, they made their own nation, they're coming yeah. back. There is a lot of like rebuilding for the Republic going on. Mm-hmm. but he's had the benefit of also seeing that that, that part of the sequel trilogy kind of worked. Yeah. And well,
2: and the benefit of the entire EU being kind of there, right? Yeah, like, right. like he did work very closely with, t- well, I don't know how closely, but like, you know, he was kind of the guy when Timothy Zahn was making his heir to the empire trilogy, right? Like he was the guy that, you know, you talk to all the time was George, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it makes me, it makes me wonder, really, like, what what has inspired him to kind of come up with some of these ideas for, for his movies.
1: Something missing in this quote, though. Which correct me if I'm wrong, uh, in the Cliff Rose as interview, is that right? Yeah, Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose. Thank you. Uh, doesn't he talk about meteors playing a big big role?
2: Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he talks about how, um, and he doesn't mention that in this book, mm-hmm. um, but on the Charlie Rose interview, he does talk about how those stories would have gone into and I quote a hey, micro biology or my, uh Microbial uh, uh, something something or another world. <laughs> yeah, will they all uh, get
1: shrunk down and go into a bloodstream? No,
2: yeah, I don't think it was Magic School <laughs> It could have uh, been, you don't know, because
3: he's sharing his good ideas, right? He's not gonna he's gonna leave out the weird stuff that he thought about. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> Like ah, Chewbacca he, becomes a robot. He becomes an android, <laughs> and he, uh, but he keeps his hair. Warm. Yeah,
2: well, I, I think like in him saying that is probably sort of. You know, it's a, it's got a deeper meaning to it. It's like that it would have explored that in the lore, right? Like mm-hmm. it would have kind of dived into the wills a little bit more, and that's something that he wanted to do. There's another section here, which well, it's like a third section, which I'll read in just a moment. Um, but that might sort of touch up on it a little bit as well. Before um, we get
1: that, I do want to talk if we if you guys like the idea of of Darth Maul being the head honcho, the new Palpatine, and being a, a leader of the underworld. No. <laughs> no?
3: <laughs> do you I, like, I, and maybe compare that to Palpatine coming back. It's kind of tough because like kind of Palpatine is a pretty integral part of both the prequel and the sequel and, and the original trilogy. Um, but there, I think the main villain, right, is it, it, it's really tough because I feel like you do need a villain that is not featured Mm-hmm. In uh your new trilogy that you're making. Mm-hmm. In the same way that I'm I'm not really huge on them doing if he was doing another trilogy to make it like just a few years after Return of the Jedi. I think you need
2: You need a snoke, you, a snoke of some kind, you know, yeah, someone and, and in the shadows. I, I want
3: to see a trilogy about the next generation. Just like mm-hmm. just like in the, the sequel trilogy or the prequel trilogy what trilogy was um a different generation it was Obi-Wan Kenobi's generation, right? Yeah. And then the next one is Luke's generation. And I want to see the next one. I want to see the kids, right. Mm, And I want to see a different villain. Um, Because I I, I want that like separation where I'm like, this is a new trilogy. I feel like when you're only doing it a couple years after, it feels like it's kind of tied in. Like yeah. it's so you want you want the Count sort of Dooku epilogue.
2: of the sequels, essentially someone who who has no no mention of him at all in in the original trilogy, maybe someone he, who was new at the time. Maybe
3: he's like alluded to. Maybe he's like a kid yeah. in in the original trilogy you, or something you, like that. You're or? describing.
1: uh What could work would be Plagueis. because he's mentioned. We he also the EU is he is Palpatine's master and he can control. Thrawn. Yeah, like like right, and then you Thrawn go to
3: featured in in and around the original trilogy but I think that's why he makes a good villain.
1: And he's not Force user so feels different.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, I, and I think it's the same reason I'm not huge on the sequels is cuz it um because when it features so many kind of characters, it doesn't doesn't feel like its own thing. Mm-hmm. It Feels it's like it's a continuation on Yeah. 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 That's just my thoughts on
2: that. I, I don't mind it. Uh, you know, ever since they brought Maul back in the Clone Wars, I always wondered at the time, because, you know, of course, episode 789 were just not a reality at the time, right? Like, this was, we're talking about a time period where George was still head honcho of Lucasfilm. Right. It was him and Dave making Star Wars stories at Lucas Animation. And... They decided to bring Maul back.
1: I'm curious if that was Dave's or George's idea. That
2: was George's idea. Oh, Okay, because Dave talks about that. Okay, he's he's like we're bringing Maul back. Figure it out. I'm like, and <laughs> Dave's luck. like, uh, what? Like, <laughs> I find it funny that George
1: specifically calls out the spider legs and then the extra large human legs because this is exactly what happens in Clone Wars before his interview.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, because it, because it, it you know it, it happened a long time ago. Like these um these uh, these these moments, these, these Clone Wars stories happened, mm. uh, like 2008, 11, 2010, okay. a couple years before he considered selling. Yeah. Uh, cause Maul comes back at like the end of, they alluded to it in season three and then he's like for sure back in season four. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was, and the, and it went for five full seasons until they were halfway through season six production wise and then it got canceled. So like it was before they sold the company easily. Right. Rebels was not a thing. You know, mall hadn't died yet. Solo hadn't been made or manufactured or thought of in any way whatsoever.
1: But the scripts from the end of the unreleased Clone Wars were considered canon. That, that seems to be what D- Dave Filoni. Used Th- that's to always been the on. case.
2: That's yeah. always been the case. It was like Clone Wars has always been Canada. George It's always been Canada. His story. So, mm. um, and, and therefore also to Disney and and their continuity as well. So like, I think, you know, it's definitely worth noting. It's like, yeah, George did, did bring him back like before doing this interview, before Disney bought the company, before any of that, like he had planned to bring him back. So like it, it sort of gives him that predecessing, like, you know, candidacy, I guess like Mm -hmm. to be that villain, you know, whether, whether it's a good fit or not, like, you know, it's like, okay, well, if they didn't make him the villain, what would have they done with the character? Cause like yeah. na- now that we have season seven, like fully fleshed out and everything like that, um, the, the scripts for those were kind of done up around the same time that the company was sold because the writer Brent Friedman has gone on the record by saying like, there's going to be eight seasons of the show. All the scripts are done mm-hmm. and uh, they got, they'd had audio recordings all the way through season seven. And uh, you know, it was, was good to go like that's that's part of the reason why after the show was canceled they did things like the dark disciple novel the son of death comic you know they released the proxy animation episodes for things that they hadn't finished yet things like that right um because like those stories were already kind of manufactured in a way it's just mm. not released right so um i think there was a plan to keep them all alive like at the end of the clone wars and then the real question is like where would it have gone from there and uh you know, it's somehow that sort of rebels kind of wrap. Yeah. Before well, before the company was sold in the first place, it's like, where, where would have they taken Maul's story? Mm -hmm. You know, if clone wars had finished its eight season run with George Lucas at the helm and Dave Filoni and like, where would have they gone from there? Right.
1: Did Darth Maul was he already killed by Obi-Wan in rebels? by the time this interview took place.
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I believe so. Or very, very close, Mm -hmm. very close timing.
1: Yeah. So it would be interesting if the, if the guy questioning George was self aware enough to bring that up. I think that'd be an interesting question.
2: That would have been an interesting question, yeah. I don't want to say he squandered the interview, but like. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I think, I think all of us would have our own like, out. our own questions that we would have been like, longing to know. Is Mace Windu alive? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm, I'm like, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I think like done done in the right way. Um, I think Maul would have been all right. But uh, you know, Darth Talon, I think is the weirder one for me. I think like, is that just because she looks like him? Like That's with the tattoos? Like, oh, well, th- I feel I like she know.
1: had to have been inspired by Maul with her, her tattoos.
2: From the original Because, like, we know, we know Maul was, like, raised, and this is, like, alluded to us in the Clone Wars, too. Like, Maul was kind of raised as, like, a young boy, you know, Sith apprentice under Palpatine, you know, as, like, a, you know, as evil as can be from as early as possible, right? So maybe Maul kind of did that. Maybe he, like, took on Darth Talon when she was just, like, a young slave girl, something at the time, who knows, raised her to kind of be in his image, and then that's how she gets all the tattoos and everything like that. Looks like he does. and. You know, keeps going from there
3: probably because i guess they're like sith tattoos or something yeah,
2: like that something like that well it like a, for for the death of it's like a cultural thing to have all those facial tattoos but like you yeah. know but like someone color like color is not no not, yeah that, yeah. Uh, yeah i don't really know why uh, she's red um yeah not have we ever sure.
3: seen a red
1: twi'lek
2: no no i don't think so yeah
3: i think george just he likes a hot Jedi every now and again. Yeah. He likes <laughs> Quinlan yeah. Vos. He likes...
2: Nice, nice, uh... Twi- ni- a nice Twi'lek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good set can of Lecu on him.
1: Have you seen Quinlan Voss? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kenobi!
2: He's luxurious hair. All right, here's the next section. It's called Hope and Faith. Uh, George Lucas says, The midi chlorians started the birth process in Anakin's mother. The Wills communicated the command to the chlorians, which activated the DNA that germinated the egg... And that's why Anakin doesn't have a father. He was, in a bizarre and metaphorical way, touched by God. But this, in this case, uh, they happen to be one-celled animals. Paul Duncan says, It reminds me of Perseus and Hercules and uh, the other heroes of mythology who received their powers from the gods, usually because Zeus fathered them. Zeus is an absent father. The theme of fatherhood, or lack of it, runs through the saga. Qui-Gon doesn't quite become a father figure for Anakin, I don't think, but he's certainly somebody in authority who he then loses. Then Obi-Wan becomes a father figure, and later Palpatine. And the theme continues with Luke, and even Jango Fett. Uh, the Owens are making all these clones of him, and yet he asks for one to be unaltered so that he can raise him. George Lucas says, Jango was a father to thousands, but he wanted a son that wasn't altered to be obedient. He wanted him to have his own personality and his ability to be self-sufficient. Paul says, uh, did the other characters, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Palpatine, have that fatherly feeling also? And George says, I think so. I think ultimately they want to mentor someone, to pass on their knowledge and training to someone else, and that's a part of fatherhood. I don't know whether you'd call it fathering, but it comes very close. Mentor and father are pretty much the same issue. Yeah. Paul says, Palpatine acts in a fatherly fashion. And George says he's acting as a father, but what he's trying to do is recruit Anakin to be his trainee, his apprentice. And he's doing that because he knows that he has a high midichlorian count. So he could be a powerful Sith Lord, even more powerful than he is. It's like he's trying to build a better spaceship or a better gun more than it is he's trying to be a father. He sees him as a weapon for the dark side. And Paul says, so he's a false father wanting to control him. Obi-Wan becomes more of an elder brother. And George says, he's like the reluctant elder brother saying, you're not leaving him with me. I don't want to babysit anymore. I want to go out and do something good. Paul says, almost like a Han Solo. George says, except Obi-Wan has a character that takes responsibility. Han Solo would have left him out in the desert planet somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Paul says, when I first saw the films, I undervalued Obi-Wan because I followed Anakin's story, but Obi-Wan became more important to me the more I rewatched the movies. And George says he changed the course of history because if he hadn't done battle with Anakin, Anakin would have become very powerful and would have probably gone on to be the emperor of the universe. And Paul says at the end of the duel, Obi-Wan is so personally attached to Anakin that he couldn't kill him. He couldn't bear to see him die. And George says, he's human. The Jedi are not superheroes. They're uh, regular people, just like the rest of us. Uh, we all have mini-chlorians. We all have the force within us. We can all do what the Jedi can do, but we're not trained. And the secret is training. You need somebody to train you because it won't come by, it, by its own. You don't say, oh, gee, I think I can see the future now. It's a fallacy that you can get something for nothing if you have the talent and you work hard then you'll achieve something. But if you have the talent and you don't work hard, you won't. Uh, that kind of makes you think of Sabine. You know, like recently in the Ahsoka series, like we, we talked about this a lot. You know, it's like whether or not, like, it's a good decision story-wise to have Sabine become a Force user mm-hmm. so quickly. And just kind of hearing the way that George, like, talks about it, it's like, it's very evident. You know, his plan was always that so long as someone's disciplined enough to like be open to feeling the force, like in the story, you know, someone would be capable of doing that. Right. But the mini chlorians like a gateway, like the more you have, like the more potential you could be, you know, like mm. more powerful. Right. Uh, any thoughts on that? Like,
1: I find, uh, it interesting that he specifically calls out that if Obi-Wan had done what he had, then Anakin would have taken over everything. Yeah. Something I hadn't really yeah. considered, but cause, I guess because we've always known Darth Vader to be Darth Vader, it's hard to picture him at his full potential.
2: Yeah, like an alternate reality in which Anakin killed Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. He becomes yeah. the most powerful Sith Lord in the galaxy.
1: Yeah, more powerful than Palpatine, which for us is hard to believe because Palpatine is so strong. We've yeah. always known Vader to be his underling, right? Yeah. Ne- needing help to overthrow Palpatine.
2: Yeah. Yeah, cuz he's not physically capable anymore. Mm-hmm. Right.
3: That's kind of tough. It's like can I envision a a universe where Anakin's, you know, the the chancellor or like at least the head? I don't know if Anakin has like that sort of <laughs> the l- um leadership ability. Yeah, leadership or or like um the p- like intrigue of like kind of sneakiness to like plan <laughs> and scheme, right? Mm. He's much more of a uh me smash, you know, kind right. of right. Uh, I think and I so, mean, and I think he, maybe, he
2: maybe would, that's the difference though. Maybe like he wouldn't like be all the sneaky, he would like be all Anakin about it and just take it by force, you know, by pure power. Like he would overthrow the emperor and then, you know, find people in command at that point to like do the rest of the jobs, could right? He
3: could like, be compared maybe to like a Genghis Khan. Yeah, I feel like the galaxy would be much more in flames, yeah, if uh, if Anakin was. Yeah, because everything would yeah. be
1: brute force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't be
3: but all conniving. Very cool to think about.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
3: How do you think um, if if George's original trilogy happened? How do you think you know he was speaking a lot about um, having a like like the fatherhood kind of father figure theme throughout all the uh, the movies? How do you think that would continue on to to like his original trilogy?
2: I think that's another key element as to like what he would have done, right? Like, you know, what he said earlier about how it would have been about Leia and their kids and stuff, you know, very similar to, EU. yeah, very similar to the EU where, where it was, it was about that, you know, and, and, you know, that started with the Thrawn trilogy, you know, with Timothy Zahn working with George to Mm -hmm. develop a story there. And even though it wasn't George's story, like it was kind of ideas peppered in there by him yeah
1: right? i think leia's pregnant in that one i don't think she has a kid
2: are they aren't they born at the end of that trilogy maybe they are it's been a something while. like the, she gives birth to uh, jason and Jaina. yeah solo and then um in a later book series anakin was born anakin solo because mm-hmm. yep. you had that they have three kids right and then anakin dies at some point point. and then jason turns to the dark side and becomes darth Cadus. yeah and then and, and the Luke, Jana.
1: Luke and Mira Jade have been.
2: Right. Yeah, Luke and Mary Jade have been Ben Skywalker.
1: Mira Jade's from the Throne trilogy, so that yeah. might have been George's idea as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. I don't know enough about that necessarily to speak on that behalf. But yeah, I mean like it, it's it's a it's a wonder is like whether or not some of these ideas like were his, right? Like when it comes to that kind of thing. I
3: mean mm-hmm. he thought up like a lot of like when you were speaking of the the triplets, right? Like I think it um it's interesting to see the kind of father figures that were in the EU because mm-hmm. even when you mentioned Jane, I'm like, Oh yeah, it is very interesting because, uh, Boba Fett actually is a big part of her story and he ends up training her. Jane, like, Jane solo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and eventually trains her to fight Katis. Right. Oh. So she, she ends up killing Katis. Crazy. Um, but like, it, it's very interesting to be like, Oh, it, like Boba Fett ends up, Actually, I, I don't really know this, but maybe it even sounds like he's a bit of her mentor, like father figure after, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure what Han Solo's out doing, but he...
2: Something that's scallywag. If it was up to best JJ, he'd be
1: racing, right?
2: If it were up to JJ, he'd be dead. <laughs> 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 oh, wait. Uh, yeah. There's, uh, there's not much more of this. Um, I don't think it's worth reading the rest of it because there's nothing that relates to... Kind of his his movies necessarily, mm-hmm. his next his next couple sequels, Any, any interesting films,
3: pictures but. over there? I can't see if not
2: really it's well yes, yes and no. I mean, it's all episode three uh pictures, but yeah uh, it's quite uh it's quite a cool, quite a cool book, but that's that's it. That's like the tidbits that he kind of unveiled in the Star Wars Archives episodes one through three uh you know i recommend a lot of people go and watch that that charlie rose interview to kind of get a bigger picture on like this whole thing Mm -hmm. um and that's definitely more like recent to when he sold the company because this was like
1: yeah it was like almost two two
2: years later maybe yeah year and a half two years later yeah
1: yeah because i i recall it was after
2: it was before force awakens came out before yeah yeah it was before
1: okay because is there, around a, around a similar time cuz i i recall watching the interview and being curious of what george had originally
3: written compared to what jj
2: did yeah
3: so how does knowing this information affect what we your view on what we have now does it change it at all is this like is this helpful or like
2: <laughs> i you know i you know i'm still unsure what to think about it uh I th- I think I think all I can think about is I would have liked to have seen his movies.
3: Right, like okay. that is that's the takeaway. Is just like ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. out. Oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: hmm. I mean, artistically, I think compared to what we got, there's good. I think it's kind of what we talked the whole podcast. There's good and there's bad. I don't know. Again, same as you, Bryce. I don't know how I feel about Darth Maul being the big bad. It feels like a a backup villain.
2: Yeah.
3: He's he's the he's the uh, enforcer, type yeah. Villain, right? I, I've never thought of Darth Maul as a as a mastermind type villain like mm-hmm. like Palpatine. He's more of a an, an enforcer. Like,
1: I wouldn't. I'm not opposed to Maul being
3: back, but
1: there needs to be a bigger head honcho. It just because you, if you're doing a trilogy to trilogy, unless you can do something completely different, you can't just have another bad guy that's not. Bigger than the previous guy. That feels weird to me.
3: Mm-hmm. I think what they've done with Mall in like the current series, um, is it's like it's working. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best idea, but they've made it work. Like I don't think the current Mall that we have. I think it's a. I think they've done pretty well. Yeah. Um. And I do like it. I do like, um, the merging of this like crime syndicate because mm-hmm. I love having the Huts be more of a. Be more of the, the issue and stuff. I think that is a great idea. And having like this big conglomeration of crime families is a great idea.
1: Are the huts not in the syndicate? No,
3: no, I don't think
2: so. No, yeah, because that was that was kind of like the thing in the Clone Wars. Like when Ball tries to recruit them all, uh, he burns a lot of the huts on a, on Nal- Nalhada because mm-hmm. like they don't join him. I thought they did. And then they end up being coursed into it for a brief moment and then they leave again.
1: Okay. but the rest of them all stay in it.
2: Yeah. I, f- I forget. It, Cause it's that very, was always
1: confusing to me. Cause it seemed like if in clone wars, it fell apart and then all of a sudden it was there again in like solo.
2: Uh, yeah. So, so basically what happens is, is he builds his shadow collective mm-hmm. right in clone wars that all kind of crumbles when he takes over Mandalore the first time and Palpatine shows up, kills his brother, Savage with press, mm-hmm. takes him prisoner. Right. Then you read the son of Dathomir comic book and he's in captivity. Yeah. And he gets liberated by some of his, uh, loyalists, some of his Mandalorian super commandos, one of them being, uh, I believe Gar Saxon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then he gets out, right? A bunch of stuff happens in that comic book. And th- these are four adapted episodes into this comic book, by the way. And then he eventually kind of, he go- crawls back to his mother, right? Mother Talzin, which we find out is his actual mother. And uh, she ends up dying, gives her life for his, Grievous kills her. And he gets away, mm-hmm. barely, right? And then when we pick things up in uh, season seven, he has now come back. He's sort of from the ground up again, brought together some of those old allies, and they have caught Mandalore in a very awkward place because he's killed Satine at this point. They're in shambles, you know, like still and uh, there's no Republic protection still, right? So, um, so yeah, so he, he kind of reclaims Mandalore, and that's when Bo-Katan comes after Ahsoka for help. Yeah. Right, uh, and so on and so forth.
1: That's when we get season seven.
2: And that's when we the get followers. season seven. That's when we yeah. get the Siege of Mandalore, yeah, and then, and then Order 66 happens. You know, Maul gets beat by Ahsoka. You know, he gets away from the whole Order 66 thing, you know, and once again, he's got nothing. And uh, he starts from scratch again. But re- he
1: rebuilds the same thing.
2: Rebuilds the same thing again, yeah. And, and this is something that <laughs> Sam Witwer has said in an interview. He's, like, trying to push a boulder up a hill. where right? right. he's like it he keeps on rolling back down again, knocking him over. And so, like, the next time you see him again, it's, like, his third attempt. He's, like, trying to build his crime syndicate with Crimson Dawn. And, you know, this starts very early on with the solo story, five years after episode three. And uh, then, you know, when you see him again in Rebels all of that is supposedly gone. Yeah, right? cause supposedly. We,
1: and we don't know how long cuz now he's he's been trapped on um what's the name of the planet? Yeah, Malakor. Malakor. Yeah. Malachor 5.
2: Yeah, um, cuz uh, so like there's another story, there's a missing piece here because like none of us have read the the Crimson Dawn comic book and uh the Hidden Empire comic book. It was like the stories that kind of follow I, I think I read it. Did you read it? Yeah. Oh, maybe you can fill us in. I don't remember it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Never
3: mind. All I, I know it. is it, it's it's all about Kira, right? And she, um, I believe she finally decides to like act against the empire uh, using like all the assets she she has.
2: Oh, so so she takes Crimson Dawn and kind of becomes part of the rebellion.
3: Pretty much, she like at the end of the Hidden Empire series, from what I can remember, she, um, she. Actually, does this huge strike on on the empire? And she loses everything in the process, but stops some sort of big imperial plot from okay of happening. Um, I forget. I kind of forget why she has to do that because it's kind of like a um. There, there's, there's some bigger plot going on that I'm not, yeah, not quite yeah. remembering. But
2: there, there's a book coming out soon. Which sort of flows into all this because there's still kind of a missing piece between Solo and um, and Rebels and then following Rebels, these comics which have Kira and the sort of the uh, you know the downfall of Crimson Dawn, right, or, or sort of what she rules over after Darth Maul's dead, right, and uh, it's called Crimson Rain. You know, it's a book being published by EK Johnson, I believe. Um, a Canadian author, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be, you know, it's going to be good. I think, it, I think it just came out recently. So I think that might be the next book review that we do at some point. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be, I think, filling in some of the gaps. But, yeah, the question being, like, you know, where where the story's gone with Maul right now, like, are we all happy with where they took that character? It
1: felt like a fitting end,
2: him meaning Obi-Wan, I will say
1: that.
3: I'd agree there. I do feel like they really f- they forced it a little because mm-hmm. obviously they wanted him back, fans wanted him back, and I feel like they molded him into a plot that they wanted, but a plot that didn't necessarily fit for him.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, and now that we know, like from this, like a plot that may have changed, right? Like you know, when when he came back, it was George's idea. Like yeah, maybe yeah, there was yeah. a different plan in place. Right you know, now, all this other stuff has to happen. He's popping up in comic books, popping up in rebels, and you know. I mean, it's solo. Kind of par
3: for the course if fans will love a character enough, you know, they'll accept the same anything. Happened with Boba Fett and how yeah. prevalent he is, and you know, Boba Fett became Jango Fett. You know, look how important he is to the to the right. Now. Yeah, um, funny to bring that
1: up though because Boba Fett also becomes a crime lord. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All these uh, failures of life, you know, becoming a crime lord. Again,
3: it's, it, it's plan. the same problem. It, that, that is the same issue I have with Maul being a crime lord, is that they're not the kind of people that <laughs> would seek that out. <laughs> it, yeah, right. it, it, it feels like a like, changed character. It seems yeah. like both of those people would be, like, above that. They'd be like, why would I lower myself mm-hmm. to interact with the, this scum? Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. I buy it with Maul a bit more than Boba. Yeah. But, yeah, I do. But, but not, I'm, I, see, I see what you're saying, though, and I, I do agree. Yeah, because um,
3: Maul, it's more about I'm, use, I'm using these people. I'm not right. seeing them as an equal. They're like my
1: kids, yeah, yeah. right? And he's trying to use that to attain. Eventually,
3: he wants to overthrow
1: Palpatine, right? That's yeah.
2: really his goal. I think it goes to show his level of Until desperation, though. Like he's yeah. desperate for sort of any sort of ground to try and crawl upwards, right? Because he's got nothing.
3: They should have made him into like Team Rocket, and at the end of every episode, he gets like punted into space, and he's like, "I'll be back!" and he's like
1: blasting off again.
3: (laughs) That's the true push. I'll
2: get you, Kenobi. (laughs) Next time,
1: every episode, he's trying to kidnap Ezra so he can clone him. (laughs) Evil clone,
3: Ezra. Oh man! And then, and then, oh, this was the original plan because then he has like Darth Talon. That's the Jesse James yeah uh, and then yeah. they just he just needs a little meowth.
2: see that was that was yeah yeah exactly so so but like in clone wars he, he still had the crime syndicate kind of plan going on but at least it didn't happen like a third time with crimson dawn yeah, yeah. right at least he was like okay get some sense you know like let's lie low for a while you know raise an apprentice kind of like what my master did wait till things blow over with his plan and then i'm gonna come and swing it
1: we did that with
2: savage yeah, but that failed miserably. Because like Palpatine <laughs> came in, he found out about Safaj, right? You, you like yeah. He put all his cards on the table way too soon. Like he took over a planet during his master's grand plan, causing a bit of a problem for him. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to deal with this myself. So he shows up personally, kills the guy, and then takes his brother prisoner, right? Mm-hmm. It's like... What? (laughs) You know, like that didn't work out too well. So, um, you know, I think maybe after that he got some sense. You know, thankfully he survived. But like, you know, maybe he would have had some sense and be like, okay, this time this time I'm gonna I'm gonna lie low. And that being said though, I mean, Clone Wars season seven slash would have been eight at the time, still written, you know, maybe we still would have had something there with Ahsoka and Maul. Who knows what surrounding events would have happened around that? But uh, you know, I think that was still bound to happen. So he tries his luck again you know, with the, with the crime syndicate thing, because he's still got allies, you know, he's still, it's still kind of a foundation there. And until it all kind of goes to crap, uh, that was, that was the plan. And then, you know, it's like, okay, now, what, now what's he going to do? What, what's George going to do with that character now? So like, maybe that's why he was thinking like, oh, well, I brought him back. I'm going to make him sort of what I intended his sort of character to be in the beginning, which was like a Sith Lord in the shadows, you know, a Phantom Menace. Now, let's actually make him the Phantom Menace again. But this time, the focus is going to be on his apprentice because it's the next generation. He's an old man now. So like let's not make him the Ray Park, flippy dippy Do character that we Every, first everyone met. Everyone becomes more wise right? yeah. with, mm-hmm. with time. And oh, I think even Maul master. has that.
3: Yeah, he has that potential to, yeah. to also be like that, right?
2: Yeah. yeah, I like his portrayal in Rebels for, for that. You know, for that reason, you know Sam Witwer did a good job making him I like an really old, did. older man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: think yeah. yeah. Trying to recruit Ezra. Yeah. yeah.
2: Whenever you think of Maul, you think of the, the young Ray Park. Don't backflips and stuff, but it's like they're
3: different, eh? They're very
2: different evolution of the character, yeah. right? And it's like it's a wonder to think like what this character would have been like, given another, you know, fifteen years, wh- wherever that time frame's supposed to be for George's movies, right? Like, what would he have been like then? Where has he been? what's this character gone through that's brought him to this point of now feeling ready that he can take over the galaxy, you know, like his master did. Like What's his plan all about? So I think, I think it does make me interested, you know, a lot. Like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know what? I like George's ideas. <laughs> I would need a lot of
1: character growth. I just think where we left off them all and becoming Palpatine, it just, there's still too much of a gap,
2: but yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um cool. Well let's that's, wrap this up. Uh that's good. I, I feel yeah.
3: like um we all have to come up with our own uh let's write our own script. Let's write uh, <laughs> right our own K-pop sequels there yeah. vir- of the <laughs> yeah. of the original trilogy. <laughs> well apparently yeah.
2: well we have an episode planned uh for uh for a few weeks away, which is all about Alan Dean Foster's episode nine. I think this is your idea in the podcast ideas channel in our Discord oh, yeah, server. Oh I read this script. It was a really bad kind of like outline for episode nine. And Ellen Dean Foster's written some Star Wars novels in his day. And uh, he wrote Splinter of the N- Mind's Eye, right? Like that that first Star Wars EU book ever. The really oh, weird okay. one. Right right. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, so that was him. So he wrote a, he wrote just like a, yeah, to, try, my, try my luck, episode yeah. nine. You'll see how it goes, right? So
1: if I remember this, takes place after brian johnson's episode eight this is just an alternate nine correct? yeah it's just an alternate nine. yeah okay.
2: yeah this is ha- this happened after jj's version came out and he yeah. he had this like he wrote this i was like this is what i would have done and it was really bad <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna read it and then talk about it sounds <laughs> fun
1: i think <laughs> yeah. it i think it just goes to show that writing star wars is a lot harder than it seems
2: it is, it is, it is so very hard. It means
1: yeah. a lot of things to a lot of people, it's hard to make everyone happy.
2: Who knows? And maybe there's some things that we would have liked in there, right? Like, maybe there's some things in there that we're like, oh, that's actually a really great idea, but because guess we'll find out. Yeah. We'll find stay out. tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Bryce, Blake, good to have you back on as usual.
1: Always a pleasure. Yeah, it was a good time.
2: And we will see you in the next one.
1: We'll see you out there. Keep flying.
2: all right thank you so much to all of you guys who've tuned in thus far and if you want to reach us here at star wars escape pod you have all the ways to contact us in the description below our email is swescapepodcast at gmail.com you can find us on twitter and instagram and youtube with the handle at SWScape podcast there's a link to our discord in there as well if you join that up that's where the chat is happening Actually, I'm, I'm lying it's very quiet in there that's why we need you to join and uh, talk about some Star Wars stuff so um, if you have not checked out the latest episode of the podcast prior to this one of course definitely do that Our friend Kyle from Alki Solutions came on chatted about his company chatted about lightsabers if you're into lightsabers which I'm sure you are it's for you we'll see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape on the Force be with you